Hey, Dada, what caused the Great Depression? That's a good question. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. This is the Understand Life Podcast, where we are helping you turn life into lessons. I'm your host, Leonard Neiman, and with me today I have... Alyssa Neiman. And... Malachi Neiman. And we are talking about the Great Depression. What is the Great Depression? That's a good question, too. So the Great Depression is the time period that most people mark as starting at the end of 1929 through the end of the 1930s roughly, or early 1940s, when there was a large economic downturn. And lots of people did not have jobs. There was massive unemployment in the you know 20 to 30% range. There wasn't a lot of money. The whole worldwide economy collapsed. And people were not working. They were not trading. They weren't working together as an economy. And so because of that, there was a big depression. A depression means that The economy has gone down. It is depressed as opposed to inflated. So the question of why did the Great Depression happen is why did the economy collapse? Alyssa, have you learned about this in school? Yes. What did you learn was the cause of the Great Depression? That everyone was buying a lot of stocks. Then everyone ran out of money. That's kind of correct. What you're talking about is the stock market crash of 1929. And many people do mark that as the, quote, start of the Great Depression. The economic downturn from a jobs standpoint had actually started months before the stock market crash. The unemployment rate and amount of consumer spending and consumer confidence had all dramatically decreased throughout the year of 1929. But the stock market had continued to go up, even though the business economy was actually going down. Near the end of October, the crash happened over the course of Thursday, and then especially Tuesday after that Thursday, which is sometimes called Black Tuesday, were the two really big stock market declines. And put together was the major stock market crash of 1929. Well, what caused the stock market crash itself? Did you also hear about margin or credit? No. When buying stocks or other investments, a lot of times brokerage firms will allow an investor to have what's called margin, which means that I can purchase more than the cash I put in the account. So if I put $1,000 into an account and it's a margin account in today's society, we are allowed what's called a 50% margin, which means that you can actually trade up to $2,000 worth of stock. At that time, those margin limits, five or even 10 times limit. So if you had $1,000 in your account, you could actually trade $10,000 worth of stock, which is a lot. So that is one of the things that happened. I remember that. So in 1930 or 31, especially, there were what's called a run or runs on the bank which is where people think that the bank isn't going to have enough money. And so then everybody's trying to get all their money out of the bank as fast as possible. And this is a problem because banks don't just take your money and hold on to it. What they do is take your money and then they loan it out to someone else. And that person pays interest on it. And then they give you a percentage of that interest. That's how banks make money. 
That happened a little bit later, after the stock market crashed by quite a bit, like a couple of years later. But that was a big problem during the Great Depression and was one of the reasons, to some extent, why the Depression may have lasted longer. For quite a while, up until 1929, there had been lots of market crashes and there had been lots of upturns and downturns and upturns and downturns. But most of the downturns would last a year or two and then everything would be back to normal. The Great Depression, that didn't happen. It lasted for over 10 years. By some people's calculations, more like 12 years. So what was different about this particular one? The crash happened in October. Unemployment didn't go up until February, four months later. The reason is because there was a belief that things would be able to come back. There's this concept called consumer confidence. What do you think it might mean? That a consumer has confidence in a specific business? Yeah, actually in the economy as a whole or their ability to pay things. So if I'm a consumer, if I'm concerned that I might lose my job, then what do you think I might start to do differently? Try to get another job. Maybe I might try and get another job, but specifically around spending, what do you think I would do? Not spend all your money on things that you don't actually need. Yeah, correct. That is a big piece of our economy. If everyone just agrees suddenly that the world is shaky and they're not sure if they're going to have money tomorrow, what do you think is natural for them to do? To get their money. Right? So if they have it in a bank, they might pull it out or they just won't spend it on certain goods. They're going to hoard cash. When that happens, that actually makes it harder for businesses because a business makes money by selling things and many businesses don't sell critical need goods, right? They sell things that are a little bit more of a luxury. And so the economy as a whole goes down when those luxury goods are not being purchased. And when the market as a whole goes down, it decreases consumer confidence in the economy as a whole, which has a vicious cycle, right? A downward spiral of where consumers lack confidence. That is what was happening with the Great Depression. The, the depression was more than just a stock depression. What happened is that there was a market crash right after there was already a problem underlying employment. For the first 30 years or of the 1920s in the U.S., we saw large amounts of economic increases. We were producing a large number of additional goods. But the reason for this was not because we were employing people more or paying employees more. Henry Ford invented the moving assembly line. Okay, the industrial revolution is what it's often called, was happening then. And that caused a massive increase in output. In the moving assembly line, then they also get more cars made faster. Correct, exactly. So it was more cars more quickly. It made it so that Henry Ford could sell more cars and therefore make more profit off of paying workers less total time. The, the ratio was different. And so all the way back in 1914, this is 15 years before the stock market crash, Henry Ford was telling people we need to be careful about overproduction and underconsumption. That means that supply goes up. But demand goes. But if demand is constant, then what happens? Price goes. Prices go down. Price goes down to the ground. Yes. This is why, actually, Henry Ford back then increased his workers' salaries significantly 
was to try to make it so that they would increase their consumption and become his customers, but also customers of other industrial products as well. There was this massive shift in how they needed to work. Another thing that was happening was the U.S. money supply and worldwide money supply, but especially the U.S. money supply, started increasing significantly more. So if you look at a graph of where the money supply was, it had this nice, relatively slow and constant increase. And then we hit 1915 and it sharply changed to where it increased much more. And so that increase in a money supply meant that more and more people had more and more money. And what happens when you have more money? You spend more money. And this is what led to the Roaring Twenties, or the 1920s. And that was when everybody essentially had a lot more money. The cost to make a good had significantly decreased because of all these productivity gains. And so that meant that goods were becoming cheaper. People started having a lot more money because there was an increase in the money supply. There was essentially inflation. You have to pay the piper at some point. At least that is the perspective of an Austrian economist. The Austrian school had a much more traditional and conservative view of how economics works, whereas Keynes had a much more progressive view about what government could do to keep the economy going. And the Austrian perspective is that eventually you have to pay the piper. If you get an increase in the money supply, if you get this massive increase in the economy, eventually you are going to have a crash. You can keep doing things where you cut interest rates, you keep injecting money in the, into the economy, but eventually you're going to run out and you're going to have a crash. That's the Austrian belief. And so now we're fast forwarding to today just a little bit. Some people believe that we are in another bubble and then we are bound for a crash at some point and others don't because they think that we've been on the sustained path for a long time and we've kind of figured things out and time will tell a hundred years from now when you're talking to your great grandchildren then maybe you'll be able to say well looks like we actually did figure things out or yep those Austrians were right we had this giant crash in whenever it was right and it reset the economy again to something else one of the big differences though between the Great Depression and now is that at that time, the dollar was pegged to gold. A single dollar could be traded in for gold at $20.67 per ounce of gold. That was the price of gold at the time of the stock market crash. It was kept there, constant. That was the price. The dollar didn't fluctuate. After the Great Depression, then FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, did lots of things to try to essentially cause inflation. Because his belief was that the problem, in quotes, was that everybody had borrowed so much money in dollars and now they couldn't pay that, those dollars back. So if the value of a dollar got deflated, inflated, I guess it would be called, right? So if you had, you had massive inflation, then you could pay back your old debts while not having to generate a lot more new stuff. Like I said, at the time of the crash, gold was pegged to the dollar at $20.67. By the time FDR got out of office, Gold was then worth $35 per ounce. How much is gold right now per ounce? Uh, it's about $1,000. Wow. Yeah. It's went up a lot. It has gone up a lot. The dollar stayed pegged to gold until 1971 when Richard Nixon took us completely off of the gold standard and the dollar became a pure fiat currency that was not tied to any commodity at all. 
And from 1970 until now is when that $35 to $1,000 happened. There was a significant jump almost immediately from $35 to, I think it got up close to $100 within a pretty short period of time. But even then, to go from $100 to $1,000, which is a 10x in 50 years, is still a pretty big change, isn't it? Yep. What do you think would happen with FDR's policy of increasing the money supply or intentional inflation if... You knew that today, 1929 today, an ounce of gold was worth $20, but you knew that five years later, in 1934, it was going to be worth $35. What would you want to do? Buy it then and then sell it. Buy gold, right? Would you want to hold on to your dollars as dollars? No. No, that's right. And so because of this, there was a little bit of a bait and switch. FDR actually passed an executive order that said everyone was required to turn in their gold to the government. Why? It was. It, many people considered it to be unethical behavior. Because Why? he required everyone to turn their gold in and get dollars. And then subsequently said, great, all this gold that you gave me, I gave you $20 per ounce. And now it costs $35 per ounce. Thanks. That kind of really sucks for anybody that followed the executive order, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. Some days the government is just really selfish. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, okay, so gold costs $30. I'm just going to give you $20. Cool? Yeah. Now, what do you think it would have done to other things, though? We were talking about the fact that there were other companies. This was especially true for agricultural companies that had planted and they'd harvested a large number of crops, but it was also true for some manufacturing companies that they had a big amount of supply of product. What do you think would happen when the value of the dollar suddenly changed? Either their prices would go way up Mm -hmm. or down. (laughs) Well, Depending on what change it is. Yeah, so essentially, think of it this way. Before... We talk specifically about gold. If you had you were the choice between holding dollars or gold, which one would you want to choose? Gold. Gold. Now, what about dollars versus any other commodity or good? What do you think you'd rather hold? A dollar or something else that you can then sell back? Something else that you can sell back. Exactly. Because what was happening is that those goods became worth a lot more from a dollar standpoint because the price of a dollar inflated. So a good that in the past would have cost $10 now costs $20. Maybe not exactly, but we'll just go with that. So if you were the kind of person that before had borrowed money, right? So you had borrowed $9.95 to make this thing that was before you could sell for $10. And you were hoping to get a $0.05 profit, which is not great, but it's something. Then suddenly now you can sell that good instead of for $10, you can sell it for $20. What does that do? Does that sound like a great deal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. now you sell it for $20, you pay back the $9.95, and guess how much profit you had? $10 worth of profit. Now, what had happened in the Depression was that the value of goods had decreased. So companies had borrowed $9.95, like I said. They thought they'd be able to sell it for $10, but the price went down to, say, 7 or 8 Well, then once this inflation happened, then the value of that good went up to, say, 14 and suddenly they could sell it again. Because if they sold it for 14, they could still pay off their debts. That was roughly 10, and they'd still make a profit. So that was the whole concept. And actually, that concept is correct. But it means that when you have this big 
economic downturn, when you have a Great Depression, what is likely to have happened? What did we just talk about? What's the word? Inflation. Yes, there's bound to be significant inflation in order to get the economy back on track. And that's what happened in the Great Depression. And that may or may not happen today. The dollar is not pegged to gold at all anymore since 1971. So the inflation is seen a little bit differently. One of the ways that we'll see it is the price of things like gold or silver or platinum or other commodities is going to significantly increase. That's how we would know there was inflation. Well, that was really interesting, Dada. But I think it's time to end the podcast. Okay. Thanks for listening. We hope you learned something. Wait, 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 wait. One second. Do you think you got your answer of what caused the Great Depression? Yes! Then what caused the Great Depression if you know the answer? Inflation. Yeah, an inflation of the... Money supply! Yeah, an increase in the money supply caused a massive bubble, which caused a crash of the stock market. That mm -hmm. caused people to lose consumer confidence and think there was going to be a downturn. And then what happened? There was a... Upturn! No, oh, there was a downturn. The Great Depression was a giant downturn. Oh, yeah, really? After the because people thought that it was going to be a downturn. That consumer confidence. When people are not sure about the economy, oh, they hoard their money and then they don't spend money. And that's what was happening with the runs on the bank that we were talking about. So in the early 30s, there were lots of runs on the bank where people wanted money back. They wanted cash back. Because at that point, they didn't know that FDR was going to do that whole bait and switch with the gold thing. So... The thing that people wanted was cash. And so that caused a lack of spending. I still have one question. Yeah. Why did the Great Depression end? That is another great question. Was it World War II? Funny you should say that, because for a long time, that's what people thought, uh, was that the reason that it ended was because of economic increases during World War II. And that's sort of kind of true. More people did go back to work. We did decrease unemployment because of World War II, because some of those people that were unemployed went in the military, and others that were unemployed ended up getting employed for things that supported the war effort. The trade-off was, is that the U.S. got massive debt because of that war effort. So instead, now there was this great debt burden, which meant that taxes needed to be increased, which generally means that you'll actually have an economic downturn, because you have to increase taxes in order to pay for that war. But that didn't happen primarily because of consumer confidence. So what really happened, the real story of the Great Depression is that things kept happening, which made people think that the Depression was going to keep going. So I didn't even get into some of the stuff around tariffs and other things and other weird policies, increases in taxes. So in 1932, the government increased income tax by more than doubling. And so that meant that now suddenly the money supply... Not the money supply itself, but the amount of disposable income that people had significantly decreased. With less disposable income, people are only going to do what? Buy things that they need and, and not, less. Yeah, and less of it and not things that they want. Yeah, correct. And so that happened in 1932. That solidified that people still had this feeling that they should not be going out and spending. And so without a feeling of spending, without consumer confidence, then people don't spend money. And so that means businesses don't make money. And when they don't make money, they can't hire people to build stuff in order to make more money because that's what companies do. Is that going to happen today, maybe? Great question. I don't know is the short answer. There's a lot of different debates on this. So some people believe that because our economic downturn right now is primarily based on the 
viral situation where people are stuck at their homes, there's what's called a pent up demand. So when everyone gets released, some of those people then are going to go out and spend money that they haven't been spending. If that happens, then we could have a sharp increase in economic activity because of all that spending. But there's also the possibility that if we do this for too long, that people won't have that pent-up demand. And if there isn't a pent-up demand, if people start to just have this as their new normal, then we won't have that sharp increase. And that's quite possible that businesses aren't going to be able to survive long enough to get that increase when it happens, or there won't be a sharp increase, or you know things like that. So we are yet to see what's going to happen. The next couple of years will be a great, interesting ride. Yeah, it will. Do you think you understand what the main causes were of the Great Depression? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Definitely. I feel, like, feel like there's lots of stuff I didn't get to tell you. Yep. I went off on a tangent that maybe I shouldn't have. Yep. Tell me in one or two sentences... What was the main cause of the Great Depression? Stocks, sort of, and inflation of money. Inflation of the, the money supply? Yes, and cheese. Lots of cheese. Nope. And the big one is lack of... Consumer confidence. Yes, Consumer. that was a big one. And the reason that it lasted so long, which we only got into a little bit, was primarily because of all the government interventions. There was a lot of stuff the government did to try and make the depression be shorter, but pretty much everybody agrees that all of those interventions did was actually make it last longer. Yes. So hopefully that doesn't happen today, is that our government and other world governments allow the economy to take care of itself and readjust to a new normal. We hope you learned something this week, because the more you know... The, the more, more you grow. grow. Malachi. Alyssa. And Leonard. Out. Thanks for listening. We've had people ask what they can do to help us. Right now, the number one thing we need is listeners. So that means having you continue to listen to every episode, which I hope you just want to do because you liked it, and telling others about the podcast. That is what we want most of all. But if you're looking to help us out financially, that would be really, really awesome. You can do that by becoming our patron at Patreon. For those of you who haven't heard of Patreon, it's a website that helps us as creators to engage with our supporters and receive your financial support. You can get there by going to patreon.com slash understand life. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash all one word understand life. Thank you so much for your support. And if you're telling someone about the podcast and they don't know how to listen to podcasts, you can send them to our website, which is understandlifepodcast.com. That will redirect them to leonardneeman.com slash podcast. Anyone can listen to the episodes there, and we will help them find other ways to listen too. What did Henry Ford invent? Um, he in invented the Model T. Well, he did invent the Model oh, T, yeah. and how was the Model T made? On the assembly line! On the engine! Yeah, specifically, Henry Ford invented... <laughs> On the wheels! Specifically, Henry Ford invented the moving assembly line. Ha 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 ho! Yeah! Bye, I'm going. Bye, I'm leaving. Thanks, and I hope you tune in next time to... Understand life! Ha ha ha!